relate to this, how if your child comes to you, maybe crawls up on your lap and hugs your neck and says, ah, I love you, daddy. Maybe gives you a big kiss, you know, and you're thinking, oh, man, this is like a hallmark moment. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to remember this the rest of my life. This is so awesome. And maybe then they crawl down off your lap and before they leave the room, uh, they say something like, uh, could I have five dollars? And then you're like, oh man, you took my hallmark moment. You know, that, 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 that whole thing just uh, has a different ring to it now. You know what I'm saying? And it's all about motivation, right? The motive behind it. The motivation behind it. And the same way with God. You know, when we come to God or we give to God or maybe we show up for church today, God's not just interested in that. He's interested in our heart, right? We learned that the very first week. He, he's interested in our heart. In other words, what is the motive behind it? And so what I want us to look at is some wrong motivations that we can have. Here's some wrong motivations that we can have toward giving and toward living for God is guilt. You know, we, we can feel guilty. Anybody ever have somebody give you a Christmas gift and you weren't expecting one from them? And you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> right? You know that feeling? And you're like, oh, Man, I didn't know they were going to get me a gift. And, and so you're like, oh, I had you something here in the closet somewhere, you know. <laughs> I just didn't have time to wrap, uh, wrap it up for you. But here it is. And you kind of re-gift something maybe uh, to them because, you know, you, you feel guilty, right? And, and guilt is not a good motivator for anything. And here's one of the reasons why it's not a good motivator is because when the guilt wears off, you stop giving, right? As long as I feel guilty, I'll do something. But if guilt is my motivation, then when the guilt, when I can get past the guilt, then I'm just not going to do it anymore. And and then there's another uh, thing that that happens, another bad or, or wrong motivation, and that's obligation. You know, I do it because I'm obligated. I heard about a mom who went in to wake her son up to get him to go to church. And she says, son, it's time to wake up. And we got to get ready for church. And he says, I'm not going. And she says, well, how come? He says, two reasons. He says, they don't like me and I don't like them. And she says, well, I'll give you two reasons why you are going. Number one, you're 47 years of age. (laughs) And number two, you're the pastor of the church. I want you to know today, I didn't show up just because I'm the pastor of the church, all right? I showed up today because I love Jesus with all of my heart. He brought me through this week. He gave me grace. He gave me mercy. He lifted me when I was low. He encouraged me. He inspired me. And I'm believing he's going to do the same thing this week. So I figure I might as well get a jump on it and praise him in advance. How about you? So I don't do it out of obligation. Obligation is not a good reason uh, to give to God. And then fear, right? We, we can give because we fear if we don't. 
Well, you know, something bad might happen. You know, God might, you know, get ticked off or whatever. And I don't want that to happen. And the Bible talks about fear doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy. That God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And so God is our good heavenly father. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And, and so it's just like, well, I don't serve God just so I'll get out of hell. Now notice I, I didn't say get the whatever. Uh, I say <laughs> get out of hell, right? And so I get out of hell. I, I won't have to go to hell. And, and I, that's not why I serve God. I serve God because I get to go to heaven. Are you kidding me? If this is good here, he says, you haven't even seen what I've got prepared for you in that place. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. No one's recorded what's in store for those who love God, the Bible says. And so one of these days, I'm going to hear it. I don't go to bed at night wondering, fearing, being obsessed with fear or whatever. I know if I don't get up and and wake up in the morning, if my eyes don't open when my eyes do really open they're gonna see Jesus face to face in all of his glory and all of his splendor it's gonna be amazing right so I don't give in fear I give in faith believing that blessings are coming my way I focus on the good things I focus on the blessings that God has for my life and how many of you wives know that there's a difference between an obligatory kiss and a passionate kiss right there's a difference turn to the person next to you and say there's a difference there's a difference all right there's a difference trust me Genesis chapter 14 if you have a Bible or you have the Bible on a device you can pull it up Genesis 14 if you don't have either one of those good news is it's printed in your notes and also we're going to have it on the screen but Genesis chapter 14 we're going to look at the story of Abraham now actually when we're going to read about him his name is called Abram but his name gets changed later by God to Abraham the father of faith he's called and this is way before Moses or anyone else. So this is not Abraham Lincoln. This is Abraham of the Old Testament. This is Abraham, the ancient father of the nation of Israel. Think about that. And we're not only going to look at him today, but we're going to look at his grandson and how faith gets passed on to another generation. And in looking at this story here today from Genesis 14, and we'll skip over to Genesis 28 to look at the grandson's life, there are some things that the Bible teaches us are good motivations for giving to God. And the first one is, if you're taking notes, it's appreciation. Appreciation. We appreciate what God has done. How many of you, it's a lot easier to give to somebody when you appreciate them, right? You, you kind of want to give to, you, to them because you so appreciate the things they've done for you. Well, Lot, uh, the Bible says he, he was Abraham's nephew, and he had chosen to live in Sodom. God, Abraham gave him a, a decision to make, and he chooses bad. Anybody ever make a bad choice? You know, some of you haven't? Okay. And so he makes a, at least not in the last five minutes, 
And so he, he made a bad choice. He makes, makes a bad decision because he didn't know. I, you know. I think if he could have known, here's what's going to happen to your family. Here's what's going to happen to you. Here's the destruction that's going to come forth out of this decision. I believe he probably would have chosen differently. Some of you, if you could have known what was behind that choice in college... See, if you could have known what was behind that choice you made five years ago, if you could have known, if somebody would have given you the future, you wouldn't have chosen what you chose, would you? You wouldn't have gone to that party. You wouldn't have gone to that situation. You might not have married that person. You might not have called them back. You might not have taken that job. You might not have gone there, done that, not have said that. You wouldn't have been misleading. There's things that we do. We don't know the outcome. And that's the same thing with Lot. And it's because the enemy doesn't tell us the end of the story. See, Jesus said there's a thief. And he's come to steal, to kill and destroy. But he says, but I have come that you might have life and life to the full. And this paints a perfect picture of what God does in our lives. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 14. Here's what it says. The four kings seized all of the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, all their food, and they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. And a man who escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. And now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorite, a brother of Ishkol and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. And when Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all, everybody say all. He recovered all the goods and brought back He got the goods, right? And brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. He went and made a full recovery of everything. How many are glad when your computer gives you a full recovery, right? And you didn't lose it all. Didn't lose everything. Recovery is huge. And so this is a picture of what happened in your life. Because some of you, you made some bad choices, bad decisions along the way. There's some things that you wish you could have known. You, you wish it would have turned out that way. You wish, you, you never thought, I'd end up here. How did I get here? Maybe you even asked yourself some of those questions. And, and sin and, and the impact of bad choices and bad decisions impacts our lives. But here's what God does. Just like Abram, he comes in. He, he knows that we're in need of help. He knows we can't pull our way out and so he comes and brings deliverance to our lives and and arranges for us to recover and bounce back how many have had that bounce back factor in your life And so it's a beautiful picture of how God uses Abraham to bring this deliverance. Now I want to see what what Abraham do after this. Here here's what he does. It's interesting. After Abram returned from defeating Kador Lamar, uh, okay, do you want to pronounce that? 
You don't know if I'm mispronouncing it or not, do you? So we'll go on. And the kings allied with him. The king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheba. That is the king's valley. And notice this. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he's bringing out like communion. This is way before communion. And some Bible scholars believe that Melchizedek was actually the pre-incarnate son of God in the Old Testament. You know, there was one occasion where a king threw three Hebrew boys into the fire. And he says, well, didn't we throw three in there? And they said, yeah. And he says, well, there's a fourth one in there. And he looks like the son of God. Many Bible scholars believe it was the son of God, that Jesus was there. And, and so now, here, here's Melchizedek. We don't know where he came from, don't know anything about him. He's this mysterious person who showed up and blessed Abraham. He was a priest of the Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, blessed be Abram by God Most High, the Creator. And he says, blessed and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram, notice what he does. What's he do? He gives him a tenth of everything. He gives him a tenth. Where did Abraham get this idea to give God a tenth? It wasn't because it was the law. Because this is hundreds of years before the law. So there's no law to do this. Evidently, he got taught it by his parents. And evidently, it came out of a heart of gratitude. I'm so grateful for what God has done. Now, listen, I don't know what you came to do today. I don't know why you came. I don't know if you came because you always come and you feel like you do your duty and maybe then God will show up this week in your life. If you, you Notice, God, I'm here today, and so I'm counting on you to bless my week. Or, or maybe you just come because you feel good or you just like people or you like free coffee. I don't know. You know or maybe somebody has been hounding you and said, you've got to come to my church. You've got to come. And finally, to get them off your back, you showed up today. I don't know why you came but here's why I came today I just came to praise the Lord I came to honor him I came to glorify him because of what he is what he was what he will be in my life what he's done what he's doing what I believe he will do in my life I believe if God did half for you what he's done for me you'd be on your feet right now you'd be praising him him you'd be raising your hand you get a little more excited because of what God has done in your life yeah see we need to praise him and I believe everybody deserves to experience what I've experienced and so that's a motivator that's a motivator I'm motivated I, I, I'm thankful for what God's done in my life. Look at this verse that Paul says in Corinthians. Here's what he says about it. He says, you must teach and decide. Each of you must decide in your heart. Where? In your heart. See, and, and, and we learned that the first week. Giving's about the heart. It's not our money. It's the heart. And so you decide. No, this church ain't going to tell you what to give. You decide. Between you and God. In your heart, what you should give. And here's, here's what you don't do. You don't give reluctantly. You know, well, got to give. They're asking me, here comes that bucket, you know. 
Yeah, put something in there, feel like I'm on the spot, you know. No, you don't give for that reason. Or in response to pressure. Oh, they got that miracle offering coming up. Wanting everybody to give over and above. And oh, I feel pressure that I'm going to have to give. Paul says, no, don't. Just keep your money. Just keep it. Because God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need it. God's after your heart. So if your heart's not in it, just keep your money. And then he says, Here, here's what God loves. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Who says, oh, good, it's offering time, you know? Oh, good, we're, it's an over and above opportunity. It's a chance to, to give back to a God who's given so much to me. He came to me when I was captive, when I was harnessed in sin and hell, and I had nothing to offer him. And in that condition, he came to me and liberated me, and I've never been the same again as a result, and I'll never be the same again. And so therefore, I gladly give to him. I gladly give to him. Now, Abraham did this 400 years before the law, and evidently it got passed down. And I think last week we learned it got passed down from Adam and Eve. Just started right out the gate. Adam and Eve must have taught Cain and Abel, because last week we learned that Cain and Abel were taught to give their first fruits, the first of, of their income, to God. And so, therefore, it just got passed on from generation to generation. Let me tell you something. And we do this when we dedicate children to the Lord. It's awesome. But what I say to parents up here is, listen, we're partnering with you. In other words, don't expect us to do in one hour on Sunday what you, or undo, what maybe you did all week, okay? Here's what we do as a church. We partner with you. On Sunday, we're going to tell them about the same Jesus that you've been telling them about all week long. We're going to pray with them like you've been praying with them all week long. We're going to come alongside of you and reinforce what they're going to do on Sunday is they're going to hear it from somebody else. So they're going to think, well, it's not just a mom and dad thing. It's an everybody thing. It's everybody thinks, well, I serve God. I'll live for God. That God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a destiny for my life. I believe that God has purpose for me and we want every child to believe that because it's the truth right and so what we're doing we're partnering together in this and that's exactly what we're going to see happen in, in in the future of Abraham's family so let's move on here's the second thing that happens is spiritual illumination all right Spiritual illumination begins to happen. Not just appreciation, but now there's illumination that begins to take place. Because Abraham has a son, Isaac. And then Isaac has a son, Jacob. And Jacob was not like Abraham. Okay? Jacob was a deceiver. Alright? He was a trickster. He was a shyster, if you will. And, and here's what he would do. He, he would try to, you know, get stuff for himself. He was out for himself. What he could get. And he's like, you know, my brother's got the birthright. I want that. And so he tricked his brother into selling him his birthright. 
And then after that, he tricked his own father to give him the blessing. And so after all this, then he begins to process things and he begins to run from God. Notice this in Genesis chapter 28. Let's read it together. Here's verse 1. Here's what it says. So Isaac called for Jacob and he blessed him and said, may God Almighty bless you. And make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing. Notice all these blessings. Given to Abraham, your grandfather. So that you may take possession of the land where you are now. Where you reside as a foreigner. The land God gave to your grandfather, Abraham. In other words, see, when I serve God, when I live for God, it's not just about me. See, when you're here today and you're serving God and trying to live for God and and trying to be a a spiritual person that's connected to the Spirit of God, it's not just about you. It's awesome what God's doing in your life and, and things like that. But I'm telling you, it's for your kids and your grandkids too. It it's a ripple effect. Say ripple effect. It's a ripple effect. It it goes out. It continues on. Because here's what happened. Is Abraham had this encounter with God. And now his grandson. This trickster. This shyster. This whatever you want to say. He was so not in tune with God. Is going to have an encounter with God. Let's read the next part. Here's what it says. And Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway. Here's where that song came from. Okay. Stairway resting on the earth with his top reaching to heaven. Stairway to heaven. And angels were of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am. The Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. And your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And all peoples on earth will be what? Blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. See, I hope that happens for you every time you come to church, every time I open our mouths to sing. Because let me tell you something, when two or three are gathered in his name, he's there in the midst of them. He said, I will inhabit the praise of my people. And so surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Amen. So the presence of God. And he says, I wasn't even aware of it because I'm just out for myself, right? That's all he was out for. And he says, I was afraid. How awesome is this place? This is none other than a house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He has this encounter, this illumination with God. And out of this reaction, it's amazing what what happens. What, What his response is. Notice the next few verses. Here's what it says. And early the next morning, Jacob 
took the stone he had placed under his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil. He like sanctifies it. And oil is like a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So he's like making a sanctimonious kind of example here on top of it. And he called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. So he renames it. And then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, what's he going to do? I will give you a tenth. Isn't that amazing? What's up with these guys? Huh? They keep coming back to that. They, they just keep coming back around to, I, I know what I need to do. I need to tithe. I need to give 10%. Now, we learn that tithe is not important because we give it, you know, and, and, and it's 10% or whatever. No, it's putting God first is what it is. See, it's giving in faith to God. That's what it is. When, and when we do that, it's amazing what God does because God begins to work in different ways in our lives. Look at the verses again, 18 and 22. Let's put that back up on the screen for me. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone, placed it under, they placed it under his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on top of it, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. See, he had been taught this principle by his dad, passed down from his grandfather, and it was not just because it was an obligation, he now sees it as an opportunity. It's an opportunity. See, when we see the Lord working in faith, in tithing, it opens our eyes spiritually. I, I, I don't know about you, but it's amazing to me that story that I told a couple weeks ago of the five loaves and two fish. And, and I was thinking about that again this week, how that, that little boy, that, that boy let go of it. I don't know if I'm going to eat today or not. You know, here, here we go. And he let go of it. And we know what happened. Of course, he didn't know what was going to happen. But what happened is everybody got fed, over 5,000 people. And the Bible says they had over 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, who do you think got to go home with some leftovers? You know, I, I, help me out here. I'm, I'm just thinking you give that boy some leftovers, right? I mean, it's all started with him. I mean, this, this all happened because he let go of what was in his hand. And can you imagine his mother when he came home? And she's like, what is this? You know. And she's like, where you been? Who, whose house have you been inside? What what'd you do? What, you explain this to me. Mom, sit down. Right? Because it's an amazing story. When I let go of the little that was in my hands, this is what God did with it. 
And see, that's how faith works. When we let go of our faith, I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about when you volunteer and you decide, I'm going to go in that nursery and I'm going to love on kids or I'm going to go in the, the children's ministry to older kids and I'm going to tell them about Jesus and his love and his purpose and his plan for their life. And then you see those kids catching on and learning about it and you hear their parents coming back and saying, oh, it's so amazing. The job you do, it's so amazing. And I hope you do that, Right? And you go back to them and you say that to them and they say, oh my gosh, you know, it's incredible. I'm telling you, it's amazing when you let God work in your life. It's amazing what he will do. And, and the same thing happened to him. And, and, and here's the last thing. Write this down. We got, we'll cover this real quick. It's adoration. Turn to the person next to you. Say it. Adoration. Adoration. That's worship. You know, it's worship when we give to God. He, he promises to God, I'll give you the tithe the rest of my life. And, and he sets up this altar of worship. And it's interesting that, that Melchizedek comes and appears to Abraham. Again, many Bible scholars believe this is the pre-incarnate Jesus because he serves communion to him. You know, 2,000 or so years before Jesus would stand up on that night with his disciples and say, this is bread and this is a cup, but this is not just a bread and cup. This is my body, which is broken for you. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord's death till he comes back. It's in remembrance of me. See, when we, when we offer to God our tithes, when we give to him, we're remembering who's in charge of our lives. We're remembering who's really the boss. See, it's not the person who has their name stamped on your check if you get a check or that direct deposit that hits your bank account every other week or whatever and, and you think, well, that's who my source is. That's my supply. No, no, no. You wouldn't be able to have a job. You wouldn't be able to do what you do. You wouldn't be able to have that income if it weren't for God and His favor and His blessing on your life. He is the reason source and when you give to God and when you give to God first you're saying you're first in my life because you're my real source you're really the source of my life of whom shall I be afraid I don't have to fear what man can do because God is for me and if God is for me who can be against me see you have a new life you've been changed and Jacob is changed as a result he's no longer the selfish individual that he was before. He's no longer looking out just for himself. Now he's looking for who he can bless and who he can be a blessing to. And my prayer is God help us all to have that kind of change in our lives to where we just look at where we can bless others, how we can be a blessing, how we can give back to the great God who's given so much for us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for another opportunity today to give to you, to give you our time, our talent, our treasure. Some of us got to just spend the whole morning here because one hour is not enough. We want to we greet people at the door. We want to serve them coffee when they come in. We want to teach their kids about Jesus. We want to partner with parents. We want to we be involved in 
celebrating communion and passing that out. We want to play instruments that you've gifted us to be able to play. We want to sing to you a new song of praise because you're worthy of all the praise and all the glory. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I want to serve God in the future days of my life like never before and I want to give Him my time, my talent, my treasure. I want God to know right here, right now that He is first and foremost in my life like never before and I want him to use me in a way that only he can do will you just raise your hand and say yes that's my commitment to God today that's my life Yes, Father, you see every hand that's raised in this room. And God, I pray that you will take every life, every person, the time, the talent, the treasure, and use it, leverage it for miracles to happen, for supernatural illumination to come into our lives as we move into a realm maybe we've never known before. And we thank you for it. While we're still praying, there may be others of you that maybe you're a little bit like Lot. Maybe you've made some bad choices before. And you can relate to him because he made a terrible choice. He went in a bad direction. And it was costing him. And maybe you've had high cost for some of the bad decisions of your life. But maybe you're here today and you'd like to give God those bad choices, bad decisions, and make one great choice and great decision to give your life to Him. And if you're here this morning and you'd like to do that in this place, right here, right now, the same God that took Lot and rescued him and pulled him out of that bad situation can pull you out today and rescue you from every mistake every bad choice every bad decision yes there may still be consequences but there's a God who forgives and forgets and restores and empowers and he can do that for you and if you'd like that to happen right here right now would you just raise your hand and say yes that's me yes 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 I see those hands over here God bless you How many others today? Several hands around the room. God bless you back here. All right, several people have raised their hands in in about every section. So let's go ahead and pray this prayer. Maybe everybody can just pray it. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my mistakes. I know I've sinned against you, but today I want to start over. So please wash away my past. Give me a new beginning. Make me new again through the power of your Spirit. As much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for coming in and accepting me today as a child of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. How awesome is that? We celebrate with those of you who made a commitment to God. I want you all to stand now, and we're going to conclude with prayer.